Life Audio. On this episode of Encouragement for You, Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Minerith talks about the importance of right thinking. Then Dr. Walt Laramore discusses cancer. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. They can because they think they can. True or false? In a previously recorded interview with the late Dr. Frank Minrith, we learned the power of right thinking and how it can affect our lives. We're going to talk about a true or false question tonight, and uh, one that I think uh, might be a little bit intriguing. Set the stage for us, if you will. Henry Ford said they can because they think they can. And uh, interesting principle is it true or false? Remember, that we talked about a study last week by Rosenwiz in 1967, famous, one of the top 40 studies of all times, a famous study where they, they told a bunch of teachers that a certain group of students were geniuses. And, and they were. They were just average students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in one year, they retested them, and lo and behold, they were geniuses. And, and, but they, they somehow, they, they could note to those students they were really smart, and, and so because they thought they were smart, they became smart. So, so there's truth in that statement. But, Don, we would be remiss if we didn't give some caution. One caution is I can do all things through Christ. I mean, it's just, it's just not that I just do whatever I want to. It's through Christ. I mean, that is a yeah. huge, huge statement. It's yeah. through Christ. And it's very important that we keep that in mind. That's from Philippians 4.13, by the way, for those of you who like to keep track of the verses that Dr. Menrith and I share on the program. It is through him, through his power— And Frank, a verse from the Old Testament that validates that is Zechariah 4, 6, which says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, The reality is it worked in the Old Testament. It works in the New Testament. It works in the 21st century. It is through God's power that things are made possible. It's not that we have the power or the initiative to do it. What's the next caution? The second caution is we can do it many times. People can get the job done. They can but it's not worth it. You look at Matthew sixteen twenty six, Don. 
It yeah. may not be worth it. For what is a man profited? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. You know, so sometimes people get their lives and they run over all kinds of people. Many of you that are listening tonight have been just run over, but someone had that I can attitude out of balance with the with you know it wasn't through Christ. And uh, so people might be able to do a lot, but you got to be sure you did it for the right purpose. Yes, yeah, so critical that we have the right motivation, the right reason. We're not forfeiting our souls. So many times people say, I've set out to do this. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And whatever it takes, doing the wrong thing can put us in a precarious position spiritually and in every other way. So the first caution is that it's only through Christ that we can. The second caution, it may not be worth it because we don't want to forfeit our souls. What is the third caution? Well, the, the third caution is be, be careful we don't hurt somebody as we're trying to do something. And even it may seem like we're doing something for the Lord, but just be real careful. There's, there's certain people, the Scripture warns us, you know, don't hurt these people. Uh, uh, Genesis 12, 3, the Jews, don't hurt them. Romans uh, uh, 12, 19, Christians, uh, don't hurt them. Uh, children, Matthew 18, 6, don't hurt them. Uh, really anyone, Don, Galatians 6, 7, um, so, so we need to be careful that we don't that we don't run over others with the I can attitude. You know, Frank, the bottom line on this whole thing, I believe, is Proverbs twenty three seven. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. There's a great deal about our thinking that affects our behavior, that affects our emotions, and and certainly through Christ we can do all things. Certainly, if it's worth it. If it's according to God's will, it's appropriate. If it isn't harmful to the little ones or to others, it's appropriate. But we have to factor those cautions in. It's very important and I think quite uh, appropriate that you started us off with those cautions as we consider Henry Ford's statement, they can because they think they can. Now, the part I've been looking forward to, Frank, you have three characters from Scripture who could because they thought they could and their could was related to their relationship with God. And we want to encourage all of you to if you think you can't get the job done, then, then hold, hold your seats here. We're fixing to go through this. Number one is look at the character Gideon. Uh, if you think you're too ordinary, God loves to take the ordinary and make them extraordinary. He can take ordinary people, and you can get the job done. Don, I was always amazed at Gideon, the least in his family, the least family in the tribe, and one of the least tribes uh, in Israel. So God took the least of the least of the least, hmm. and uh, 300 men, and, and, and probably beat an army of over 100,000 men. Yeah. He started off with 30,000 men, and God said, that's too many, and he weeded out quite a few of those and told all those that were afraid to go home. There were still about 10,000 men left, and he took them down to the river, down to the brook, and said, let's find out how you drink. And the ones that, uh, that drank a certain way, he sent them home. There were 300 of them left. They came in with their pitchers and their lamps and their swords, and basically the battle cry was the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So it was God. It was God. It was the Lord who won that battle. It, you know, it wasn't Gideon being some great military might. He wasn't the Douglas MacArthur of his generation, the Dwight Eisenhower. He was just an ordinary man. Number two, you can, even though you may not be perfect, maybe even though you have foibles, you can get the job done. Don, I think about Elijah. Uh, he was one of the two men that never saw death. I mean, that's a godly guy. Uh, uh, but on another occasion, when he was tired and he'd been threatened 
for someone. He got so depressed he wanted to die. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of you feel like, well, I'm depressed. You know, God can never use me. Well, I wouldn't cut myself out. I mean, you're in pretty good company. You're in the company of Elijah. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed and, and there came a gully washer. Remember that? Oh, I do, Don. And we share that because so many of you that are listening tonight, uh, you've had some fault or foible or you've gotten depressed or and you feel like, you know, maybe you can't be very much service. Not so. Not so. Come on back. Yes. You can do it. There's Gideon. There's Elijah. Who's our third character, Frank? Elisha. Hmm. And, uh, Don, I think about the movie Chariots of Fire, 1984. Yes. Oh, what an inspiring <laughs> movie. You remember Eric Little? Oh, I do. I remember the race where he fell down and got back up and ran. I remember his saying, God made me for his glory. He also made me fast, and I'll run for him. Yeah. It's a great movie. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, it tells the story of Elijah and a young man. And uh, the young man was very, very fearful. And uh, Elijah told him not to be, to be afraid, that they were surrounded by chariots of fire. Here's the concept. Don, we have helpers we know not of. Uh, they may be in another dimension. If you look at Hebrews 13, 2, uh, that's another really interesting verse. Uh, be not forgetful to entertain angels, strangers, strangers. thereby some help entertain angels unaware. Uh, but, but God has not only sent Christ, he probably helps us in other ways that we'll only know about when we get to heaven. But we can get it done because we have an army of, army of characters helping us. Conrad is listening in Ohio over CDR radio. Hello, Conrad. How you doing? Fine. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Uh, I just, you know, I rededicated my life December 17th, 2006, and uh, I got to go into church real regular every Sunday, you know, uh, driving a truck for a living. It's hard to, you know, make it to every single service, but I, I go, was going pretty regular, and I decided that I wanted to come off the road and run locally and be more involved with my church. And uh, I wanted to get into a discipleship class and, and all that. And it caused problems between me and my fiance with the bills and stuff. So that we just can't pay our bills if you do that. And, and I pretty much said, well, if I can't be, you know, more involved with my church. I said, I just won't go to church at all. And I said it out of anger, but it actually happened. And yeah. I got to where I just uh, don't make it to church every Sunday no more like I was going. And let me, let me just jump in here with a, a couple of thoughts. One is Dr. Menrith and I were talking before the program tonight about the very passage of Scripture that tells you the way out of your dilemma. And Second Chronicles 7.14 is God's prescription for revival. So I want you to write this down, Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name. Now, that's obviously you. You're a believer, right? You've trusted Christ? Yes, sir. Okay, you know that you're on the road to heaven because you put your trust in him. So you're called by his name. Here's the prescription. Four things. It says, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What that means is four things, Bill. Number one, we have to start by humbling ourselves. And the way we humble ourselves is we don't say, okay, I can't do it. We say, God, I can't do it because I need you. I need to turn things over to you. I need literally to bow before you and admit that you really are and should be Lord of my life, even if you haven't been in every way to this point. And we start right where we are, humbling ourselves. And the second thing is we pray. 
And a part of prayer is confessing our sins. We go to 1 John 1, 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants you to name those to him, to confess those to him, and to say, God, by your grace, I want to turn from them. And the third step, humble themselves and pray, seek my face. I believe what that means is a daily walk with God, a daily time in God's Word. That is as important. And going to church every time they're having services is an important and a good thing to do. But I'm here to tell you, spending some time in God's Word is of equal and importance and value. It's not either or, it's both and. We'll be back right after this. A study on cancer and how we can deal with this terrible disease. Here's part one of an intriguing past interview featuring physician and author Dr. Walt Lorimore and host Don Hawkins. One of the things that I do as a medical journalist, Don, as you know, is I search the medical news wires every week to post what I call medical news you can use on my website at drwalt.com. That's mm-hmm. dr WALT.com. And Don, as I think you and I talked about just a bit over a year ago, the American Cancer Society annual report a year ago really shocked uh, mm-hmm. physicians and cancer specialists by telling us that the death rate for cancer dropped for the first time mm-hmm. since we've been recording data. Yeah. Now they come out with this year's report, and Don, the death rate is dropping even more dramatically. And this really is good news. Yeah. And of course, the obvious question, Walt, is why? What has caused the death rate in cancer to drop? Because there's still so many people dealing with cancer. No question about it. What they believe is that first and foremost, more and more people are being screened for colon cancer. And Don, that's any of our listeners who are 50 years of age or older should have had a screening colonoscopy, one of those uh, colonoscopes looking up the bowel to see if there were any of those precancerous polyps yeah. or even early cancer polyps that can be removed. So the, the experts believe that the biggest reduction in cancer deaths has come from the reduction in colon cancer. And yet, even so, Don, only about 50% of those who should have had screening for colonoscopy this last year even did it. Hmm. The second factor is the reduction in breast cancer rates. Hmm. More and more women are having those screening mammograms, which for them is life-saving. If there's a bad news story in this report, it's the number of, of, of hmm. lung cancer deaths that we're seeing rising in women. Yeah. And Don, it's because so many young women are choosing to smoke now. Yeah, and and that's a a real tragedy in itself and brings us to the subject, Walt, of prevention of cancer. As I recall, uh, we had a whole section in When Cancer Comes in which we dealt with cancer prevention, and and not smoking was probably at the head of the list, and I think it's at the head of everybody's list for cancer prevention. There's no question about it. Um, When people choose not to smoke, they reduce their cancer risk somewhere between 50 and 80 percent, depending on... Uh, which statistics uh, that you read. Um, And, Don, we're not just talking about lung cancer, but we're talking about virtually every type of cancer Hmm. is associated with tobacco use. And not just smoking cigarettes. It could be smoking cigars, smoking pipes, even the use of of 
of oral tobacco, dipping tobacco, snuff, uh, can be associated with a number of cancers. And so when it comes to cancer prevention, cancer reduction, stopping smoking is number one. And Don, over the last year or two, doctors have developed even more tools to help people stop smoking. And so uh, there, there's, you know, we've got listeners tonight who mm-hmm. smoke. And, and they know, we don't have to tell them smoking's bad. They know it's bad. It seems like uh, there are times when people hear a diagnosis of cancer for themselves or for a loved one. The immediate response is hopelessness. And, and yet when we recognize uh, that in Jesus Christ there is hope, we don't need to feel that despair when we get that diagnosis question about it, Don. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is that, you know, many uh, of us who are a little bit more mature remember the day when the diagnosis of cancer equaled the prognosis of death. And now with the diagnosis of cancer, over 75% of people who receive that diagnosis live a full and complete life. We have better treatments than we've ever had for cancer. But even those who cure one or two or three cancers, it's likely if we're not called home by cardiovascular disease of some sort, that we will be called home by cancer. Mm-hmm. And you know, Don, the research is crystal clear that those of us who have a personal relationship with God through Christ have a hope and have an anchor so that even with difficult diseases, we have ability to cope because of that hope and anchor that allows us to be salt and light to a medical system that doesn't often see that. And there is good news, even with difficult diagnoses. Yeah, and even when the word is this cancer is inoperable or this cancer is fatal, uh, we can say with Paul to live as Christ and to die as gain and be a testimony and, and have an impact at that point. And I think that's an incredibly good thing for us to be able to do. Let's talk first tonight to Dennis, listening in Little Rock, Arkansas, over the Word FM. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, my wife, uh, five years ago, was diagnosed with carcinoid cancer. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, we came to Arkansas to die for her to pass away. But um, uh, we had a good doctor that uh, referred us to Louisiana to a specialist, and she's taking experimental PTK or pills a day, and her cancer is stable. I mean, it's not growing, so it will never be a cure, but the doctors are saying now we'll just treat the symptoms and uh, that we have hope now to live um, uh, each and every day a lot longer and by the grace of God. So there is always hope. You know, Dennis, your testimony is such a powerful one because you guys uh, did the two things that are absolutely essential. You you placed your trust in the Lord, committed your situation, your wife's circumstances to Him, but you also sought out the best medical care, including an investigational treatment. I want to get Walt to talk about some of those issues, including the value of some investigational treatments. Walt? Well, you know, Dennis brings up a couple of excellent points for all of our listeners. And first of all, Dennis, I want to, uh, before I I mention those points, let me um, uh, affirm you, my brother, because the, the, the studies show and Scripture is clear that when we as husbands love and nourish and cherish and honor and care for our wives, they do better physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And so just hearing your voice and your concern and care for love for her 
gives me some of the reasons she's doing better. Secondly, Dennis, there's a website that I like to recommend for folks who are wrestling with carcinoid tumor. Uh, if you've not heard of it, it's www.carcinoidtumor, all one word, carcinoidtumor-info.com. It's an evidence-based site for carcinoid tumor. But the point that you made that I think is so important for people for cancer is understanding the levels of care for cancer. And Dennis and Don, first of all, there's primary care. Yeah. That's your family physician or your pediatrician or your internist who cares for cancer broadly, if not in, in the details, but can kind of be for you a health care coach in going through cancer. That's primary care. The secondary care for cancer is the oncologist. That's the cancer specialist, and there's a variety of them. There's the medical oncologist, the surgical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, secondary care. Then there's tertiary care. That's the care that's provided in medical centers, uh, for, for example, cancer centers that are located around the country. And then last but not least, there's fourth level of care, quaternary care, and those are the medical centers or experts who deal in very specific or very rare cancers. And Dennis, it sounds like you found a fourth level of care for carcinoid. And at fourth level care, well, both tertiary and quaternary care, not only do they provide the standard treatments, if you would, those that have been proven, but they also have access to all of the clinical trials, all of the tests, all of the experiments that are going on in new treatments. And Dennis, right. just like you and your wife found a treatment for carcinoid that helped, Barb and I found the same thing when her mom, my mother-in-law, was diagnosed with lung cancer. A PUD, as we love to call her, was a non-smoker, but developed lung cancer, the same type of cancer that Chris Reeves' wife died from in just three or four months. And she went through primary, secondary, tertiary care, was not helped. We went to that quaternary care dentist just like you did. She began an experimental medication, at least what was experimental at that point. And, Don, her cancer appears to be gone almost Fantastic. three years now. Wow. I know so you guys are There thrilled. are these levels of care that are important to consider. You know, the other thing that I, that I really am encouraged about, Dennis, is just the the positive attitude that you and your wife are both exhibiting under what are obviously adverse circumstances. Um, I really believe that um, that to think on those things, uh, Philippians 4 talks about this, the things that are pure and noble and of good report and things that are virtuous and praiseworthy, if we remain focused on those things, we don't allow ourselves to get caught up in the agony of anxiety, which Paul talks about in Philippians. He says, literally, stop being anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He undergirds us with peace, and that peace helps to facilitate the health and healing process that's so critical. Dennis, we want to pray for you and your wife, and we have a prayer team of people all across America who will join us in praying, okay? Father, tonight I thank you for this good report from Dennis of what you're doing as they've investigated this, and I pray, Lord, that you would keep this carcinoid tumor at bay. I pray that the uh, the treatment process would continue to be effective in, in stopping the cancer from any further growth. I pray that you would allow Dennis and his wife to experience uh, not only well, length of life, but also just abundance of life, and that they would continue to be a great testimony to your grace. Father, just 
encourage them, and then use them to encourage others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been part one of an interview with Dr. Lorimore. Tune in to next week's episode of Encouragement for You for part two. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.